0: Space, the final frontier. Today on the Science Nights, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite seasons of Star Trek, Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait,
1: whoa, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh. I thought we were talking about the the space missions that happened in
2: 1977. Yeah. Did you
0: get wait, the? You we get the sent memo? out an email. Yeah. Hold on a second. I thought we were talking about Star Trek here.
2: We're not talking. No, 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 no. It's it's the it's the real Voyager missions. That's today's episode. That's what we're talking about no, yeah. no No Klingons. Yeah.
3: Give me a Did second. I need, to, I need to read. Tom's I dream
2: right now because he thought it was real. Shatner. Uh, Shatner's not going to be in this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me let me let me, make some, let me tell make some you notes. that Shatner won't be in this episode.
1: <laughs> but fortunately. We have all the science nights here. Welcome one, welcome all, everybody. It's Conley here, your host. And, uh, Dr. Thomas Schiller is going to be going through, uh, his research, uh, materials as, uh, he pulls up a lot of information on the, uh, famous Voyager missions. Uh, Sean Graham, uh, is with us here today, all the way from India. We have Anurban Bhattacharji. Anurban, how's it
3: going out there? No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm surviving. So, yeah. We are at number two. We are catching up on the United States pretty fast. So, yeah.
1: Number two. Number dose. So, uh, anyway, we're, uh, we're going to have a good episode. We're going to tell uh, y'all all about Voyager. I have some questions myself, but uh, how about we start out with why the Voyager missions were important, what were they, and maybe talk a little about the history of the Voyager missions.
2: What I think, I, I really want to jump in real quick. I, I feel this really cool personal connection to Voyager because they were launched the year I was born. In 77. So Voyager and I grew up together. And so like when National Geographic would come out with these uh, big spreads of these photographs of Jupiter, you know, in the 80s, I saw those when I was a kid. And then the next was like Saturn. Boom. Boom. And then Uranus, and then Neptune, right? And so, and then you know, then they're out of the solar system, and and they're and they're still alive. Yeah, the ships yeah. are still alive. We built two incredible spaceships, and we sent them out on these missions, and they they they've finished their you know, the mission that they were designed for decades ago, but they're, they're st- they still work. But it's yeah. cool, like, they're as old as I am. I never have to think about, like, how how long has it been since Voyager has been launched, because it was the year I was born. So I know they're, it's 43 years old. They've wow. been out there. That's awesome. Because it's my birth year. It's so cool. And so I have this really interesting uh, personal connection with these spacecraft, and that's why I'm really excited about tonight's episode. Yeah, well, they say it takes about 20 hours to get a mes- uh, a message
1: from Voyager to Earth. How how many hours does it take for you to get a message
2: to your students? <laughs> for them to receive and yeah. understand the message, yeah. it's an infinite amount of time. Oh, okay, it's impossible. <laughs> they can't. They can't do it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think don't be so harsh on them. Some of them receive it instantly, and some don't. And they just but ignore it, right? <laughs> yeah, some some ignore it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's a part of life.
0: Yeah, but Voyager is how many miles from the from the Earth, and, and we get messages from it after just a few hours.
1: Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Uh, In Mars, the Curiosity, I think it takes uh, I can't remember how many hours and yeah. minutes, yeah. maybe yeah. fifteen minutes. Wow! Yeah, uh, but compared to you know what we get from uh, Voyagers, just unbelievable.
2: So maybe for folks who aren't, you know, uh, maybe for young people who are not have never heard of voyager Uh or people who don't you know uh haven't been following voyager since the 80s when when they kind of stopped their mission why don't we go over uh kind of what what the mission was for what voyager is honor bond you want to you know kind of give us a a little background on what the history of the mission was
3: Sure. So the Voyager mission, even though they were launched in 1970s, right, um, the actual planning for the this, these kind of missions, any missions, kind of starts like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but interestingly was that we planned in 1964. It, the idea uh, was like we had this uh, grand tour. This program was called Grand Tour. The other, rather, the concept. So, what they found out in that in 1964, they find found out that Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune uh, would align in somewhere in late 70s that you could visit each of those planets if we launched at that around that time by using the gravity's. Uh, assists from those planets so using gravity assist and if anybody hasn't seen martian it's a great way uh, even though think uh, even in the movie martian people think uh, gravity assist uh, somebody discovers it uh, no we have been using gravity assist for a while it's kind of like a slingshot thing so you go around the planet you are uh, kind of like swing around it and as you're swinging around it, you kind of gain a lot of again, gain acceleration, and you shoot out from that planet's gravitational uh, field. Uh, so, uh, so basically, Grand Tour and people calculated and found out in 1964 uh, by this guy called Gary uh, Flandro, uh, who belonged to the JPL labs, that you could use uh, this gra- these gravity assists from each of these planets uh, and travel uh, to all of them, or pass fly by them. Uh, without spending a whole lot of fuel. So then in late 1969, people started working on the satellite. The plan was sent out, it was chaired by one of the more uh, two very pretty important astronomers. Uh, Uh, One of them uh, is uh, known as James Van Allen. So I assume uh, people might have heard of Van Allen's belt, which is like the radiation belt. So uh, it's named after him. So he was uh, one of the planning scientists. He was there. And another pretty famous uh, uh, astronomer was there, was uh, Gordon J.F. MacDonald first the mission was called uh, supposed to be called mariner jupiter saturn but then they changed the name to voyager when they realized they could fly by to other planets and uh, two so instead of using mariner i remember mariner missions were the first uh, missions which were sent to v- uh, venus and mercury and those planets so right so voyager.
2: They recycled the name for earlier missions that went to yeah. the inner planets they, they figured out the trajectory, they were going to get all the planets, but they couldn't do it unless they had two spacecraft. So there was a Voyager 1 and 2, and the reason right. for that is because um, in order to hit all of the planets on this Grand Tour, they had to have slightly different trajectories. Is that right?
3: Yeah, both Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 have a little bit different trajectories. They're not the same. Uh, they don't follow the same exact path, because uh, there wouldn't have been the... I mean, it seems kind of like redundant, right? Yeah, because yeah. Both of them. Have
2: I love them. that though because I can I can hear the politicians like when the, the astronomers, the designers come up and say, "Hey, we can do this incredible mission, but we're going to need two of these ridiculously expensive spacecraft with nuclear fuel cells." Mm-hmm. Uh, how's that sound to you guys? Yeah. Wow. yeah, the
0: whole the whole thing sounds like a movie script. or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're all the-, the planets are going to align, and then we need. <laughs> We need not one, but two of these cajillion dollar yeah. space probes.
1: Well, uh, will we find oil?
0: Uh, right. Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> you know, just trust yeah,
3: us. Yeah, there's going to be oil, there's going to be iridium, there's titanium, there's yeah. everything out there. Who's president? No, uh, basically, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, they follow the same, pretty much the path, till they met up with Saturn. And then Voyager 2 which is a more well-known cousin, (laughs) kind of the brother of Voyager 1, uh, meets uh, deviates and goes towards Uranus and Neptune, and Voyager 1 goes into the big space. Now they they were actually,
0: were were they twins? Were they identical, or did did each one have its own separate um, equipment or, or instruments? I've always heard them referred to as twins, so I just assume that they they had the same instruments on board. Pretty
3: much, they had the same instruments, and you, and uh, so both of them have pretty much have the same cameras. Uh, they have the same uh, spectrometers uh, and magnetometers uh, for measuring magnets and uh, like the. Ca- Pretty much, it's same. It, you can imagine they're pretty
2: the same. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about that golden record because that's such a huge, you know, a PR part of this. That um, if nobody's heard of it, you know, uh, if our listeners are unfamiliar, they got to hear the stories. So tell us about the oh, golden yeah. record. whose idea that was? Carl Sagan. Yeah.
3: I don't know exactly who put the idea, got the idea of golden record, but the contents of the records were selected by Carl Sagan. So that's one of the things. But I. I, as I was raised so it's, I didn't find like he came up with this idea, or the he, or NASA actually had a, NASA had an idea they would send a time capsule. So that was already in plan. Mm-hmm. So they would send a time capsule, I think, and then the idea of the golden record comes into play, which would have 115 uh, natural sounds like sounds of uh, waves crashing, the wind, the sound of birds, and songs of whales, and all these kind of things. Uh, they would have uh, Uh, 55 uh, spoken readings in 55 ancient and modern languages. Uh, They would also have uh, uh, other human sounds, like you would have people walking by. Uh, They would have laughter of Sagan, um, and uh, they would have collections of photographs, uh, DNA, uh, human anatomies figure, the famous picture of the human man. Uh, they would also have music by the, all the composers all the way from Azerbaijani folk, folk, folk music to uh, Johnny Johnny uh, Johnny good.
0: So, uh, yeah. so, four, four years it's too it's early for somewhere. a for a Metallica tune to be on there. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate. They didn't think to put "Kill 'Em All" on that record. Yeah, that's the first song we want extraterrestrials. <laughs> that's that's they'll stay. Think. They'll stay far away from Earth. Right. If they listen to yeah. Metallica
2: because it. Yeah, it also contains coordinates to find Earth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. on the surface.
0: Yeah, and it's an actual record, right? It's yeah. it's a, it's not gold. It's brass or something, right? Or bronze. Well, yeah. Tell—is it actually
2: gold plated? Like, for, because it's supposed to survive in that environment longer. Because if it's gold,
3: that's an interesting question. Because I did not actually look it up. I was looking
2: more into. I it always, I always assumed days. that it's like hell. If you're going to make a billion-dollar spacecraft, you might as well not spare any yeah. expense on a gold-plated record. Yeah, I always. They might have spent
0: all their money on the actual <laughs> kajillion dollar spacecraft.
2: I'm sure the plutonium so, it was carrying
0: was so probably
2: more expensive than the gold.
0: Yes. Yeah. We can, okay. Con- Conley's no, looking it up not, for us uh, here. No, so
3: it's just a, it's a gold plated copper record. Yeah. Uh, so And the record's co- cover is in aluminium. And they have electroplated it with an, a pure sample of uranium 238. Oh, wow. So, wow. Um, so they can paint it. the reason for yeah and the reason for using uranium 238 for co- covering it is because if some advanced civilization finds it and uh, and if they find out there is uranium to, and they are going to of course if, if we found something like that we would put it through all kind of tests to find out what it is made out of mm-hmm. and using that we would you could use uranium 238's half-life of 4.5 billion years to figure out when um, to find the age of the record. That's clever.
2: So that was yeah, That's neat. clever. Yeah. Wow.
1: Wow. Engineered brilliantly. Yeah. And apparently it's 12-inch gold-plated
2: copper. So it does have gold plating. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I think that I, I always thought, yeah. I always assumed that that was um, for survivability. Mm-hmm. The gold is, you know, it, it's not, you know, the, it's not valuable for nothing. It's got some characteristics that I think are uh, important for that. Yeah. yeah, That's really cool. And, of course, uh, one of my favorite stories about this is that, you know, on the outside of the record, there's a, there's coordinates for finding Earth uh, relative to nearby stars. And there's a, a, a picture of a man and a woman, and it's anatomically correct. And this was a big deal for NASA because um, it shows it shows junk. Yeah. oh, and it shows the yeah you know, and I love yeah. that that like that was the big hang up. it's not like well, do we want to put Johnny be good or should we put <laughs> Mozart's eighth symphony or twelve no let's make sure the doodads are covered up
0: okay we're we're looking <laughs> at the aliens. we're looking at the image right here and and the the male character is waving.
2: He's,
0: yeah, the female character. He's looks... He's got
2: pecs. She's got. She's she got looks mammors. like she's waiting for she uh, embarrassed. And to you, can, you can you can barely see. There's something yeah. going on between the male's legs. And your, that's about your put your
0: pants on.
2: And that was apparently a big deal. Like to. to you know, uh, the government folks were like, "We're gonna, we're gonna spend this much money to send out a pornographic phonographic material out into space." Yeah.
0: <laughs> how many of those NASA engineers had a little chuckle about that? Yeah, I kind of wonder how how seriously the the hardcore scientists at NASA uh, yeah thought of this. It, like, I think they this probably was, thought it was a big waste.
2: This was a publicity stunt. And it was worth it, right? Because this is what most people talk about when you talk about Voyager. They don't talk, and we need to talk about what we found from this mission, right? Because here we are, right? Oh, yeah. Talking about this incredible mission. All we can talk about is the penis on the record, <laughs> right? It's what most people uh, zero in on. But it is an important thing because it captures the imagination of the people, yeah. right? And that's that was the genius of this stunt because no one's ever going to find this thing. Right? It's going, it's going to
0: be in deep space forever. <laughs> Conley's not convinced.
2: If anything, <laughs> if anything, uh, humans will recover right. it as an artifact yeah. in like 100 years and put it in a museum. Right. If anything. And no That'd alien's cool. ever going to find this
1: thing. No, no, no. I was hoping yeah. that we would find yeah. it, but, one but day, we would think yeah. it's alien. But yeah. That would be kind of I cool. I think
2: one day uh, we're going to be so advanced that we can just go out there and pick that thing up and, and put it in a museum. Yeah. And that's what's oh. going to happen to it and that'll be cool yeah. but you know it's no, let's talk about uh how are we doing on time Kevin? yeah we got another about five minutes okay so I, we can still dwell on this then because yeah. it's cool i think that it captured the public's imagination the golden record and the other thing we should mention is that you i'm pretty sure you could get on youtube and you can listen to what they put on there. oh yeah you can and that's yeah. really kind of cool narrated too. by carl sagan but no kidding <laughs> oh yeah that's great i've seen that
1: video a lot wow yeah what's it like tell us and and about it. billions, billions. Is he oh it's all kind that? of weird you know it, it, it shows a little bit uh, everything uh of uh you know you, you hear a baby cry you hear all these different uh animal noises And on this record are a sampling of pictures sounds greetings and an hour and a half of exquisite music the earth's greatest hits a gift across the cosmic ocean from one island of civilization to another but it, you know, the the overall message was one of peace, and, of course, and prosperity, and good. of course. Yeah. So, and that that's on a documentary you can look up on YouTube. Yeah, there is a great, there's it.
2: a great a couple documentaries about this, and um, yeah, I think it, there was one that was on Netflix. I forget what it's called. I think it might just be called Voyager, but they've got they've got great like '70s music as the oh, backdrop. Yeah. yeah, and they've got interviews from like Carl Sagan's kid and and some of the designers on the program. It's great. It's just good stuff, and it, and it gets into the impact of this. And I love Honorbound. You were mentioning that they they were going to like the design stage for this in '69. And they that, went to
3: the design stage in '69. Yeah, that's so those, those, not been like actual manufacturing, they were starting to, they planned it because right. they found this in 1964, 65, right. about that.
2: And, and those it's, were heady days, right? Because something pretty significant happened in 69. And this is the time when NASA could do anything, right? They had a blank yeah. check. In 69, they landed on the I mean, moon. That,
3: yeah. that was a golden age for yeah. like space missions. Like, if, if by that time, if we actually wanted to colonize a, a Mars or Moon or something, we could pull it up at yeah. that point
2: yeah I love that and that's kind of a that's a cool kind of twist to the story is because they they started building this thing and designing it with unlimited budget the public was behind it the public's imagination was totally wound up in it but then they got the rug pulled out from under them, right because 69 happened and then 72 happened and then 73 yeah. happened and then nobody cared anymore mm-hmm. so by the time they're ready to launch this thing nobody cared
0: mm-hmm. And yeah. so
2: that's probably maybe where we could pick up when we when we come back from a quick word from our sponsors is how we went from you know the, it's a great idea for for this program to launch these ships but by the time they did it it's like at the nadir of nasa's reign right mm-hmm. people don't care you know the 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 oil embargo is starting to happen that kind of thing yeah but we're starting out we're starting, out we're one starting to get into a recession and nobody cares anymore it's the late 70s yeah. i was born terrible terrible time and yet they pulled it off so after a quick word from our sponsor especially blue water yep got to go out there check out blue water we're going to talk about what voyager actually discovered after the break Science Nights in the Morning. What's up,
1: everybody? We are back and uh, we got all the knights assembled. Dr. Thomas Schiller, Dr. Sean Graham, Dr. Anurban Bhattacharji. I'm your host, Conley Razor. And uh, getting into this next segment, um, the, we're, we've been talking about the Voyager and how amazing it is uh, historically, not only historically, but uh, technologically. And it's uh, amazing that we have the ability to communicate with an instrument, a tool, something we constructed that is the farthest thing away from us. And all it takes is about 20 hours. And uh, I, I pose a question to y'all um, to get it kicked off. First, I mean, it, it takes a lot of engineering to create something like this, especially now in hindsight that we look back at it, how successful it's been uh, for us. So could y'all talk a little bit about um, what it's done for us as um, not only a society but a science-based community and also um, what kind of instruments it uses to achieve this unbelievable feat that it has been doing for the last, you know, 40 years, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's I think it's important for people to remember that when we talk about Voyager, we're talking about a program, um, uh, a program that comprises two spacecraft that we launched in 1977 um, And in addition to taking images of all these planets and and extraterrestrial bodies um, There was some hard science going on right it had it had a multitude of instruments, or both of them had instruments attached to it. Um, so, honorbon you want to talk about what exact, what instruments were affixed to these things and what they were looking for? So, first of all, it's
3: Voyager 1 was launched on September 5th of 1977, and Voyager uh, 2, interestingly, was launched in August uh, 20th, uh, 1977. Huh. So, so, I'm actually, yeah.
2: I'm a little older than both of them. So yeah. that's interesting. I was launched in May of <laughs> yeah. You Steer
0: launched from the womb. Yeah, <laughs> Sean Graham one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they launched two before one, Honor Bond.
0: Yeah, they launched two
3: before one. So classic. That is pretty interesting. <laughs> and they yeah.
1: launched them at different tra- uh, trajectories, right?
3: Yes, so Voyager two uh, was the one which is the more popular one because it visited both Neptune and Uranus and Jupiter and Saturn, all four of them, but Voyager 1 is visited Jupiter and Saturn. So um, that's uh, the little bit. So, yes, and uh, uh, Voyager 1, Voyager 2, and then we have the Pioneer missions uh, uh, from 11 and 12, I, I believe, are the, are the four um, uh, objects that has left our solar system, and, with, and New Horizons will be joining them uh, pretty soon. And um, these are the objects that have left the solar system for us. So, uh, not New Horizons yet, but it's going to. Yeah. Okay.
0: Pioneer's the so, next furthest, right?
3: Yeah, Pioneer uh, 11 and then 10 are the next furthest ones after Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. And we have stopped from communicating with both Pioneer 10 and 11, I think around 2003-2005. Uh, around, uh, I think we have lost touch with them. So there are four operating instruments on Voyager 1, a couple of them are not working. Because it's 40 years now, so yeah, you know, and, it, uh,
1: it, it, it's so funny um, being brought up uh, around that time. I was born in eighty-two. You were born in seventy-seven. Uh, Tom, I don't know when you were born, like '99 or something. Yeah, uh, uh,
0: fifty, 2012. 50. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's but, eight. But do you remember?
1: Do you remember the textbooks growing up? Yeah. You know, we had them pre-Voyager. Yeah. But we also
2: had them post-Voyager. Oh man, I've still got my textbook, and, and there's pictures, and you don't, you can't see anything, no details <laughs> yeah. of any of the planets. Like a blob, a gray yeah. blob. Pluto is this pixelated piece of garbage <laughs> yeah. uranus and neptune is a pixelated piece of garbage yeah. and that is that's something important to, and we're talking about the photographic instruments right yeah. now and that that what we knew of all of these planets before voyager was pixelated garbage it was telescopes based on the earth those are the pictures we had of jupiter saturn uranus and neptune um, and, of course, Pluto. These guys didn't visit Pluto because it's off on its own eccentric orbit. We've talked about Pluto before. And we've now since sent a probe to see it up close, New Horizons. But the the images that we got back from Jupiter, all these planets, all the all the beautiful images you've ever seen of those planets and their moons, yeah, um, are from most of them are from Voyager. Even now, like some of the best pictures, and we've since sent probes specifically just to orbit Saturn and Jupiter to see up close. Um, and, and some of the best pictures are still the ones that you've seen of of Io and Europa these beautiful moons of Jupiter are still the, these great pictures from Voyager
3: and especially this is, uh, we have to remember we haven't sent anything yet to Uranus and Neptune, no we
2: haven't Those, been back since
3: it's yeah. still Voyager's pictures yeah. that we have wow. sent we have better pictures now of Pluto I think because we have oh, sent yeah. uh, new horizons up to Pluto so we have really good great
2: pictures of Pluto and it's uh it's worth noting yeah any picture you've ever seen of those two planets um, those are only voyager pictures because those are the only probes that have been to uranus and neptune um Like I said, Jupiter and Saturn, we've been back with great probes since. Yes. Uh, but We have Galileo. We have Cassini missions. Mm -hmm. You hardcore astronomers, um, you have other cool instruments on there that aren't, you know, so those are the kind of instruments you put on there so you can get on the cover of National Geographic and get these beautiful images for, uh, you know, the public to see. And those are going to capture the imagination of the public, and they're going to be important for scientists. But there's other instruments on there that are going to tickle the fancy, of hardcore astronomers. You mentioned a, a magne- magnetometer?
3: Yeah, so we had uh, uh, like instruments out there uh, where we wanted to measure uh, the magnetic field uh, we wanted to measure um, the kind of the plasma spectrometer, which would basically measure the plasma that was coming out from the sun. Uh, we would also measure w- something called a low energy charged particle measurement, which is basically uh, trying to measure what is the energy of the things like electrons that are moving around and charged particles. Now, these things, and also we are, wanted to measure cosmic rays that are coming in because uh, these two particular things put together would give us us an idea when we would know that Voyagers are leaving the solar system mm. because, this, because this helps us now because we didn't know that Voyager would last till uh, till such a long time. It has a 30 year mission. Now it's moving into its 40th year. Oh yeah, right. 43. yeah 40, 40, 40. 43. 43. How do I yeah, know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's 43 years. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so uh, the, uh, what they were studying with the, those things, they wanted to see how the cosmic rays and the solar radiation was changing as we were moving uh, farther out wow. into this uh, uh,
0: in solar system.
3: So it was a way to keep track of, us.
0: keep track of them basically.
3: Yes, keep track of them, and this helped us because now that Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 has left the solar system, we are slowly uh, actually has the, have the results, and that's how people figured out. Um, that we have moved into interstellar medium, mm-hmm. and no longer we are in the solar system anymore. So, if we are in the interstellar space, and Voyager One crossed it in the interstellar space in 2012, and two years later, Voyager Two, uh, it, we definitely found out it has uh, proved is and confirmed it in that it was in interstellar space. Voyager
0: One was there. So, we're, so are we? are still communicating. or it's still communicating with yeah, us? How? how did, where's it getting its powers? Does it had like an Energizer battery on it? The yes. Best, the best kind it's of...
3: The a, and, and there's a bunny in there, too. <laughs> yeah.
2: so that's, that's what it's... Well, I love that. That's uh, If you look at these things, um, look at a picture of Voyager, it's this big satellite dish. That's all it is. It's a flying satellite dish with these big booms hanging off of it. And one of the booms has this special thing at the very end of it to keep it away from the rest of the spacecraft. That thing at the end of one of the booms is a nuclear power source. Ah, yes. And so, you know, to make sure it didn't um, fry the instruments or heat things that weren't supposed to be heated, they had to stick that thing away at the end of a boom. And some of the instruments are out on those booms, too. But one of them, there's like a cylindrical thing at the end of one of those booms, and it's the nuclear power source. And so that's why the thing... And still, though, they calculated that it would die 10 years ago. Wow. And it's still kicking. It's because it's got uh, nuclear so the power, power here. A, a, no. So
3: one of the things we had to make sure, like, die in the sense they thought it, it would not be able to communicate. It would be lost. Right. Uh, it would not generate enough power, but it would generate power to keep it moving, basically. Mm-hmm. But it turns out it is generating enough powers to communicate with us. So, uh, but and it's at this point, uh, uh, 2011, we calculated uh, it is uh, it is operating on half the power source. And right now, we are still communicating with it. And we think by 2030... Uh, we will not be able to communicate with it anymore.
1: Now, now, in regards to us actually communicating with it, uh, in my reading before the show, uh, I read that we use radio waves to uh, actually communicate to it, but the thing is that we don't have to have... Um, we don't have to emit a more powerful radio signal it's just that voyager was equipped with very sensitive receivers is that correct
3: yes uh, so voyager as receiver at this point we are not really getting any data per se like in a sense we are just looking at w- certain readings kind of like what is the surrounding looking like uh, what are the cosmic rays or uh, what are the energy readings we're getting from there and uh, and that's all we are getting back we send a signal uh, basically three times uh, uh, I think uh, per week, and uh, wow. so uh, and then we have the used to do that. Now it's basically six times every year. Oh, wow. so so that's what we are trying to do to in order to because what you, we are doing, we send a signal to Voyager one and Voyager two, and then. It wakes up, we have to wake it up, and then it has to go through a certain process and it will send whatever little bit of reading we want back to us. So it uses power every time we wake it up. This is
2: my favorite part, it's like waking this thing up would be like trying to turn on your uh, 1977 uh, handheld football. Video game, <laughs> the tiger, you know what I mean? yeah. the tiger, yeah, game. like a pong game from the seventies. Wow, and flicking that thing on, and, and can you imagine if that w- worked? Right, it's your a... even your Atari from eighty three, yeah, wouldn't work anymore, right? Wow, and this thing is, um, you know, farther out than Pluto. Yeah. I don't you know. Go... My,
0: my grandma had a microwave from like early seventies. <laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh,
2: like I I love to imagine the NASA folks with the huge computer, right? The mm-hmm. the uh, you know Texas Instruments 1975 edition. Yeah. Wow, uh, uh, clicking those keys and 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 communicating with this, it's like it's like talking to something from back in time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: it probably starts right back up too. Yeah. And then Probably. they get a Windows 10 update, and their, their <laughs> supercomputer shuts down. <laughs> they got down that for... dial-up
2: signal, that...
0: <laughs> that's that's how it works.
2: <laughs> but but
1: to, for the listeners to know, like it's not like it's it's getting it's extrapolating this data from the cosmos. It's not whipping out a Kodak and taking a picture of the planet. Yeah. It's actually calculating a lot of zeros and ones, a lot of actual data. To give uh, us over here an idea of what it looks like, and then we in turn create those beautiful images that you see online. Is that? Can you uh, go into more detail, Honerman, about how that actually works?
3: So at this point, it is not. Like doing taking any pictures of anything of any sort. Uh, we, after it crossed uh, Neptune, we started shutting down instruments. Uh, like, for example, we shut down uh, the planetary radio astronomy experiment, which is basically uh, in 2008 for Voyager 2. Uh, we have already shut down the uh, scanning platform and UVS, like, like the ultraviolet observations way back in 1998 uh, because uh, some things were not needed by that at that point because we knew it wasn't heading towards anything uh, interesting, at least in the solar system. So, um, so that's the reason they started shutting things down. Uh, only thing that they're on is basically, as I said, are the things that are critical for us to know whether it is in the solar system or it's not. So, so we're just we're just
0: tracking its location. Is there the yeah. potential if that if that fuel cell if that lasts for another fifty years that it might actually encounter something interesting, or are we just kind of monitoring where it is? Is that all we're going to do for the rest of its life?
3: As I said, by twenty twenty five, Voyager two will pretty much be shut down, and Voyager one will be shut down by twenty thirty. Uh, so after that, they're just going to drift along. So and. Uh, and uh, that's what's going to happen. And approximately in 40, 42,000 years, uh, it's going to pass by a star called. If everything goes uh, unchallenged, uh, like every, uh, to plan, and the trajectory is not changed, it will fly by a star called Ross 248. And if it still goes on for another 300,000 years, it's <laughs> going to pass by uh, Sirius. So, oh,
2: that's cool. Good Lord, wow. Yeah, and meanwhile, there'll be some some techie back in the States in Houston with his Texas Instruments 3400 clicking <laughs> away. Honor uh Conley brought up a good question, though. Uh, the way that it relays, um, when it did take pictures... It's not mm-hmm. snapping Polaroids and sending them back. It's send, send them back zeros and ones. So I think that's what he was getting at. What was that oh. like? The um, the digital data that's kind of that would have been new in the '70s um, and very crucial to the admission?
3: So one of the things that immediately becomes easier because uh, to send a huge amount of data, right? You would need like a lot of like processing power, like. You take a cam. we take a picture even now, right? It's still ones and zeros. It's not actually in the sense, it's no longer the analog film that's there inside our cameras. So what you're still doing is a bunch of ones and zeros. Uh, the CCD uh, chip that is in, in there, uh, it's, it's still the same thing. It's nothing uh, what... The, the actual science has not changed from what Voyager did. Is like taking the pictures uh, in using uh, what we call as charge coupled devices or CCD chips or uh, CMOS and other stuff. But these, these at this time it is the early days of semiconductor physics. Uh, so we basically had transistors and all those diodes and things like that coming into play. We, our chips were pretty big at that time. Uh, and as Sean was mentioning, Atari 1983, you can remember <laughs> those kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and, and uh, the big calculators... Could just do like negatives and uh, positive and multiplication and division and all those kind of stuff. It's not like this amazing scientific calculators that are uh, can fit in the palm of your hand. The biggest uh, computers would be stored like in big storage facilities. These are huge things. These are um, and uh, at that time, home computers were like uh, rich people's dreams kind of thing. No, it's
2: home, not like every home computers were the size of a home. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Tell me
1: about it. Well, Honorbon, would these uh, CMOS sensors, like you would find in digital cameras nowadays, would would they measure photons?
3: They're all measuring photons. Okay. So basically, that's what we do. The they're all uh, works on. Uh, uh, solar uh, powered, like uh, uh, photoelectric materials, like the photons would come then and the and the photoelectric material would generate a current, kind of thing, and that would be used there to make another uh, uh, current, and that would be again passed to a bunch of other bunch of processors, and you would get the image out right. from there. So, and then what you would just send is like one of the things you would send is send ones and zeros and ones and zeros, and then they would have to be sent in the right order. And when it would be received, we would then re kind of uh, like reassemble set, it, re-assembled it mm-hmm. like yeah. a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Kind of had to be in a proper way to get the image out.
2: All right. So, well, when we come back from a quick break, quick word from our sponsors, why don't we talk about like the kind of Hall of Fame cool stuff that Voyager discovered? in those missions. We'll be right back. Science Nights in the Morning. Hello, everybody. We're the Science Nights in the Morning, and we're still talking about the amazing Voyager missions uh, from NASA launched in 77, and the grand tour of the solar system took place mostly um, in the 80s. So, if you're, um, you know, if you're in your 40s now, you might remember the National Geographics that came out in the in the 80s that had pictures, really beautiful pictures of Saturn, uh, Uranus, and Neptune on the cover, and those those pictures are all from the Voyager uh, space missions. And um, what we're going to do in this last segment is make a lot of noise about all of the cool discoveries that were found and and the kind of ones that were really publicized. And, of course, uh, the first stop on the Grand Tour was Jupiter. And honestly, yeah. they kind of they saved the best for the first because really, um, in a lot a lot of ways, the images that came back from the very first stop were the most amazing ones because we found out, for example, you know the most um, you know volcanically active body in the solar system is one of Jupiter's moons, Io, which they caught they caught an eruption during the mission. Wow, they, they didn't just you know. They could see this molten ball that Io is. It's this beautiful. It's the innermost big moon of Jupiter, and um, you know you could you could tell from the picture that this thing's crazy. It's got all these volcanoes, and it's it's the whole world is like this lava world. It's a molten planet. But they didn't just get that picture, which is amazing enough. It looks like this. It, it's nuts. The picture is just beautiful. They got a picture of. And I think, I, I want to say the story is that one of the photographic analysts was looking at the, the, the data for, um, from Voyager um, and found a picture where it was this kind of um, side-on picture of Io, where you could actually see a big geyser shooting out into space from the side. So they actually captured an image of an actual eruption as the spacecraft went by. Because um, it's backlit. It's backlit by Jupiter in the background. So we discovered, and that's an enormous discovery because, you know, we knew, I think we had some pretty good pictures of like Olympus Mons on Mars, a huge volcano on Mars, which is not active. So we knew there were volcanoes on other other, uh, worlds, but this was a very dramatic display of volcanism on another world. There's volcanoes and geysers going off on this thing all the time. It's this multicolored. Um, it looks like a big... I don't know what you... How would you describe it? It looks like a big rotten egg <laughs> discovered with... Talking about we're talking about Io. Io. Io yeah.
1: The moon. yeah.
2: So that was Voyager. The first pictures of Io, the first discovery of volcanism, active volcanism on another world was... Uh, when was that? That's, that's one thing. I can't... I don't know when the Jupiter flyby was. I think I was too young.
3: So, um, Jupiter's flyby was 1979, oh, and, yeah, and yeah, that was both Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. As uh, flyby they in 1979, and you're for uh, another thing you, for, uh, you forgot for uh, that one is. Uh, they discovered that Jupiter also had rings and oh, we right. also found out two little satellites uh, that were going around like uh, Ju- uh, Jupiter. Oh, right. yeah. The number yeah, of, the number
2: of moons that Jupiter was known to have skyrocketed because yeah. all we knew were the four that you can see. You can actually see the four big ones with binoculars from the Earth. Yeah. Um, and i, I memorize memorized them. I know all their names. I love these. It's Io, Ganymede, Callisto, and Europa and those four yeah. galilean Cal- moons callisto or callisto callisto oh callisto yeah. okay and those those are big moons they're nearly as big as some of the inner planets and uh, they all have these incredible personalities and so the but the coolest one is not io the coolest one is europa because if, if you get a picture of europa there's no craters on it Huh.
3: Yes, there is no craters on it. And if you don't have craters, and this Thomas is also here, is if you don't have craters, that means that the planet is active. So yeah. uh, that's one of the cool things, right? It's uh, like promise. a cue
2: ball. Yeah. It's smooth. It's got these cracks in it.
0: Yeah, but otherwise, it's super,
2: it's super smooth. So that means that whatever is on the surface is getting reworked, mm-hmm. and, ha- and it's young. And we know, we also know from, I believe, from Voyager, from the instruments, we know that that surface, that smooth surface, is water ice. Mm.
3: Or some kind of mixture, it can be mixed with methane and uh, stuff like... It has to. It is not pure water. It will be mixed with carbon dioxide, methane, right. ammonia, or something of that sort, and be yeah. there. So, yeah.
2: so this discovery, and this is you know just from a photograph, you get you can tell so much. But this kind of started the idea that okay, Europa, um, since it's it's smooth on the surface, it's it's got a young surface. That means that maybe something from underneath is melting that ice and keeping it warm. And so under, and so the current models, you know, all show that Europa probably has a liquid ocean of liquid water that's bigger than our own ocean because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's so it's like uh it's not as big as the earth europa it's pretty big but not as big as the earth but the amount of you know just from you know all the other measurements you can take it's got a huge ocean under that ice and where you got liquid water you could have life And mm-hmm. all this is like can you imagine being uh, you know a nasa nerd in 79 and getting that picture and just your jaw just clanking onto the floor, just holy crap! Like, I bet they never thought they were like, oh, these probably these things all probably look like the Earth's moon. It won't be that interesting. And every one of the big plan- uh, moons of Jupiter has got a, like a unique personality.
0: Yeah. yeah, I wonder how quickly this stuff was <clears throat> shared with the rest of the scientific community because you have to wonder if in the in the seventies and the eighties, if there were like biologists who were who are working at NASA? Because, like you said, um, if they recognize that there was water, liquid water, the biologists are going to be the ones that are oh, yeah. jumping around for joy. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. there might be, there might be life or yeah. some form of life or evidence of life.
1: Wow, that's amazing! It's absolutely amazing to look at these Voyager images. Yeah, and, and they're so just great. Go and go and go! I remember looking at uh, an older, like pre-77 textbook of uh, Jupiter, the storm, the the eye of Jupiter, uh-huh. uh, the big red yeah, eye, yeah, yeah. and uh, it was
2: just gray. Yeah, just, yeah they've got and, they've got like a time series of, of the big red spot. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and the and details are uh, real. And it's moving. You it can, it can make kind of a movie out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it lo- yeah. It looks like a big hurricane, which I guess is kind of what it is. Yeah. Honorban, when did uh, Voyager get to Saturn? Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 both
3: uh, uh, had a flyby. Flyby of Saturn. So it arrived in Saturn in 1980. Voyager 1 uh, was in 1980, and uh, Voyager 2 also was in 1980, uh, 1981. So it's not, 90, so just a little bit of a year later, Voyager 2 was 1981, Voyager 1 was 1980. So uh, again, we went there, and one of the things that immediately came out of this, these missions where uh, one thing is we saw Titan. And Titan came out to be really cool because Voyager 1's mission included a flyby of Titan Uh is the biggest moon, Saturn's moon. It's not the biggest moon in the solar system. Uh, That's Titan. uh, That Titan is Saturn's largest moon. So immediately uh, what we saw with Titan, we saw it had huge potential for having organic material in it. Uh, like complex organic material in there like hydrocarbon molecules and that something was amazing to us because this means hydrocarbons are basically what you need to form amino acids and things like that yeah. so uh, one of the things that uh, immediately we uh, came out of this was uh, people sent up uh, send out, uh missions to land a probe on titan later on yeah and that was uh, the Huygens probe that landed on titan yeah so uh, yeah i like that what, i like that Great. about
2: the you know titan was one of those ones it was just it was pixelated garbage before before uh, voyager and the picture we got from voyager isn't honestly that much better because titan has an amazing dense atmosphere so you can't really see very much. And so the, tit- the pictures from Voyager for Titan are still kind of, like from an average schmuck's point of view, kind of garbage. But from a, you know, a scientific point of view, that incredible it's, hazy atmosphere is incredibly enticing enough to where that was kind of our next stop it's like we got to yeah. get back there to titan because it's got and, uh, an atmosphere
3: we also knew that uh, this means if there's an atmosphere it would have lightning and yeah. lightning means electric current and if our old uh, like uh, from our old op- episodes you remember we talked about how Amino acids were created. Basically, what with uh, what yeah. uh, ammonia, methane, water, and everything, and yeah. you just uh, zap, see the electric Zap current, it with right?
2: electricity. And the, 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 do we get evidence for our, for lightning from Voyager on Titan? Uh, we definitely. We've got idea. it since. If it has a th- it.
3: thick atmosphere, it will have lightning. Yeah. And
2: we've we, so we've definitely gotten it since. I, I can't remember. If it was yes, Voyager absolutely. Or, oh yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. We definitely have gotten because and, we have bunch of we had Cassini mission which has like ultra uh, clear kind of pictures of Saturn and all those things. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so so that 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 basically clinched the next mission for la- like landing and probe was going to be on thi- Titan, yeah. not even on Saturn or anything. So, Yeah. yeah.
2: And I know we got uh, we got evidence of lightning on Neptune from Voyager. Um, mm-hmm. And and I guess we can quickly just talk about Uranus and, and uh, Neptune. And we'll just mention again that all the pictures you've ever seen that are any good of those two planets are from Voyager. We've never been yeah. back. We
1: still have Neptune, that real beautiful blue. pure blue yeah. and, the, and the
2: crazy green yeah. of Uranus. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and so these these I remember very well, because by that time I was like the nine, ten year old goober who waited with bated breath for every you know issue of National Geographic and those two the cover images when we reached those was i think it, correct me see if i can remember this was it 86 for Uranus and 89 for Neptune?
3: Well, close enough, 86 for Uranus and uh, 87 for Neptune. Oh, wow, back because, back. And, and, the, and you were right in the sense, like, the closest approach to Neptune was 89. Okay, so, yeah, uh, that's so yeah, So, yeah, in 89. So, yes, you're right, sorry, 86 and 89. Yeah,
2: yes. that's what I remember. And, yeah, beautiful com- cover images for National Geographic um, and those haunting images of that dark blue of Neptune, and the the weird aquamarine green of Uranus. And those are still the only images we have because, look, if you want to see another picture of those, just check out what you can get from the most powerful Earth-based telescopes, and they totally suck. Mm -hmm. They're hazy, shitty. So,
3: yeah. (laughs) From Earth, yes, now we have Hubble, so we can do that. We can point Hubble towards that. So one of the interesting things that came out of this, we found out that Neptune had rings, too, Yeah, so it was completely unknown to us at that point. That was like, uh, whoa, Neptune has rings? How is that possible? Yeah. So.
2: And you can see Uranus's rings um, going in a vertical plane because it's got that crazy um, uh, tilt. Yeah, that's cool.
3: So we had that, and then we also saw something very interesting. for uh, we saw a great dark spot on Neptune, which is not there anymore because we turned the telescope uh, there on uh, Hubble onto that. It's no longer there. So, uh, so that was interesting for us I Forgot us about too. that. Uh, That's so
2: cool. Yeah, the dark, the great dark spot on Neptune, which is w- w- right at about the same latitude as the great red spot on, on Jupiter. Jupiter. What the Yeah. Heck, what's up with that? It's pretty neat. Um,
3: yeah so it's similar in appearances and it's basically another cyclone but it's no longer there so it's gone away yeah. so that's pretty cool so so the,
2: the skies are nice and clear on Neptune. Yeah, good now. time
0: to visit yeah
3: <laughs> yeah and in 2016 we have another great dark spot that has developed and uh, we don't really know if it is still there or not so mm-hmm. uh yeah. that's another. so cool things about both of this mission it's uh they were, uh, they're interstellar. And when Sean was talking about this kind of uh, uh, thing about being all excited, one of the things we have to remember of Voyager, this, along with the moon mission, it put us as a civilization. We, we are going beyond our own solar system. Yeah, we're in the interstellar so club.
2: Yeah. Now, we, But the cool thing, one of my favorite parts about this is yeah. that before we joined that club, in l- the early 90s, when Carl Sagan was still around... He said, hey, we got an opportunity here. We need to turn those little bad boys on, turn on the Atari one last time and turn them around
0: Mm -hmm. and take a picture
2: (laughs) from at the edge of the solar system of, I think they did all the planets, Mm -hmm. but the main one was the Earth. They wanted to take a picture from the edge of the solar system of the Earth. And there's a famous photograph. Tell us about that, on about So
3: this is taken by Voyager 1. So as it was leaving the solar system, what Carl Sagan did, he said, well, let's turn the camera around and let's take a picture of the Earth. Because at that time, Voyager 1 was the most distant human-made object from Earth. And it was going to be the first one to leave the solar system. That's what the reasoning behind that was, and uh, and when we take the picture, it's a th- Earth is like a tiny point of light, and that tiny point is less than a
2: pixel in that image. Yeah. So um, It's a pale so blue dot. And the idea, so, so the way Carl would put it, is all the people that have ever known, yes. your family, all the people that have ever been born, who will ever be born, all life in the universe as far as we know, exists on that pale blue dot. Yeah, wow. And you got to see that picture. Uh, that's that'll that will become the most picture, uh, famous picture of the mission.
1: Yeah, and and just to describe it, I have it in front of me here. If if you take an extreme close up of guitar strings and strum the strings and take a picture of it while it's vibrating, I'm serious. It does look like that. I mean, look at. I, it. Don't, I don't
0: know if you're looking at the right. <laughs> this photo. is it. He's looking at
2: the it. the sun shaft. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a shaft of light. Yeah. That's the pale blue dot. Yeah, that's the pale yeah, blue yeah. dot. Right I there. see what you mean. So the shaft of light is like the guitar string. Right. Oh no, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All across. It's, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's I a use that image. at the
2: beginning of some of my classes where I, I talk about because it is it's it's nuts when you yeah. think about Puts that. things
1: in perspective. It's for for crazy. Sure. It Really does. Well, uh, any any closing thoughts Any closing statements on uh, this amazing accomplishment.
3: Show. <laughs> Whoa, we had a little whistle. So as a, No, I was just going to say the personal. Uh, like, you have to be amazed by that we that we as a human civilization, these humans who have been barely around, have made objects which has left the solar system now. And
0: uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's another that's, great Carl Sagan quote there too. We we are the universe's way of knowing itself or the cosmos' way of knowing itself. Yeah. the universe
1: experiencing itself, really. And yeah. we
0: are part of that universe.
1: Something to be which proud. Is of. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: If we do nothing else, we, we, we pulled off Voyager.
1: And we cosmically littered.
2: <laughs> we're, we're just <laughs> pulled little over by the space yeah. police. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if we're lucky, they'll become artifacts one day and you'll be able yeah. to see them at the American Museum of National History. Mm-hmm. If we if we so survive yeah. long the Mars. one
1: on Mars.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, the one on
1: Mars. All right. Well, everybody, that's
3: Science Nights in the Morning. We'll see you next week for another awesome episode. Thanks for listening.